At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Unstoppable, Bound in His Love, Freed by His Spirit, where we're journeying through what many call the greatest chapter in the Bible, Romans 8, to uncover a more lasting force than hard work and a more enduring purpose than momentary success. This morning, if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to take it out and turn with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. Uh, we've been in uh, Romans chapter 8 for a couple weeks now, and today we're going to begin in verse 26, Romans 8, verse 26. Several years ago, I heard a, a, a story, and I'm sure it's not a true story, but I heard a story about there was a, a king of a tribe uh, in South America. And this king had a faithful servant that went with him everywhere he went. And this faithful servant always had such a positive attitude so that no matter what happened, whether it was good or bad, this servant would respond, this is good. And one day, while the king and the servant were out hunting, the servant would load and prepare the gun for the king as he's out on his hunt. And one day, while they're out hunting, something went wrong. Uh, and the, the servant uh, set up the gun in an improper way or something happened. And when the, the king fired the gun, it ended up blowing up and he lost his thumb. And as he's there, just lost his thumb, the servant looks to the king and he says, this is good. And the king says, this is not good. This is not good at all. And in his anger, what he did is he took the servant and threw him into, into jail. Several years later, as the king was out hunting again, he gets captured by some cannibals. And as they gather him around and they, they bind his arms and they, they take him away and they start to stack the wood for a fire and begin to prepare uh, to cook him, one person from this cannibalistic tribe looks at the king and sees the king is missing a thumb. And because this tribe was superstitious, they decided that they could never eat something that wasn't whole. So in that moment, the king realized, this is good. <laughs> and the king gets set free on his way. And the whole way back to his own village, to his own kingdom, he went directly to the jail, went directly to the prison where his friend had been for three years. And he says, release him. And he comes out and, the, and the, uh, the king says, oh, I'm so, so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. And the servant looked to the king and says, this is good. And he's like, why? How can you say that this is good? He says, for if I had been with you, they would have eaten me. <laughs> this is good. Life is difficult. Life can be overwhelming. And it doesn't seem like life is always good. But what if I told you that as believers, we are promised that good will come as a result of every single pain? Is that hard for you to believe? 
Well, I want you to see this is exactly what we're going to see as we continue our series in Romans chapter 8 today. We're going to see that no matter what happens in life, this is good. Even though the world may define what we say is good as bad, we have to believe and we get to believe that everything is good for those who believe. Last week, we spent some time looking as we are, and, and, and if you're just with us for the very first time, I apologize. We are doing a deep dive into the, the book of Romans. We've been in Romans chapter 5 through 8 all of this, this fall, and so um, it's hard. I can't encapsulate all of it, and so uh, what basically Paul has been doing is he's been describing the gospel. Like, what is it uh, for a believer? What does it mean to be in Christ, to trust in Jesus and have all of these promises and all, all these blessings? And so today, we're, we're jumping in the middle of, of a series where last week, where Paul is trying to describe to us that's how we are to view our present sufferings. He says, as you go through life, realize that you're going to walk through seasons of suffering, whether they're physical sufferings or emotional sufferings or spiritual. You're going to have suffering in this life. And he says to do this, that do not consider your present sufferings as to be anywhere near our future glory. Right? Your future glory that is to come to those that are in Christ is so much better, so much greater. So don't worry about your present sufferings. For the present sufferings are momentary. But what is to come is so much greater. So today, what we're going to, to look at is, is that's good as we walk through seasons of suffering to, to be reminded of, of what is waiting us. But if you're like me, I need a little bit more. Right, that's good, and it's good to have a, a, a future-focused thinking about what is to come, but, but I need help now. Right? As we walk through these seasons of suffering, I need to know that I'm not alone. I need to know that there's someone with me, that there's someone for me, that there's someone fighting a battle for me. I need to know that, and that's exactly what we're going to see here in the passage today. We're going to see the complete Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, as we walk through these seasons of suffering, as we wait for his return to take us home, we are not alone that we have God, all of him, on our side. And I want us to see from this passage today that God is at work in us, through us, and all around us. Today, what I want us to see is that God, in all that he is, has done all that we need to see us all the way home. May the truth of that statement begin to resonate in our hearts. God has done, God and all that he is, has done all that we need to see us all the way home. This is incredibly good news for everyone that is in Christ it encourages us. It fills us with hope and should fill us with joy, even today. That as Christians, we can have massive confidence and assurance that God's grace is at work, that his, work, his, his grace is at work on our behalf. Today, what I want us to see is that God, three ways that God is working in our lives as we wait for future glory. Let's dive in, beginning in verse 26 of Romans chapter eight. Paul writes, likewise, 
The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. For the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. One of the things that God has given us And one truth we see in this passage is that our prayers are strengthened by the Spirit. You see, God has not left us alone, but he's given us the Spirit. And in this passage, these few verses, we see two amazing gifts that God gives us. One, God gives us the gift of prayer. He gives us the ability to communicate to him who is the God of the universe. But not only does he give us that, but he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when we walk through the pains and joys of life, we have the gift of prayer. I want to put this into kind of a a scene for you so that you can understand this gift of prayer. When a child of God begins to pray, when a child of God begins to utter the words of prayer, what immediately happens is in the God's big way of seeing things, our prayers immediately usher us into the presence of Almighty God. Right? You want to have an audience with the president? You want to have an audience with an earthly king? This is even greater than that. The God of the universe who created things by just speaking them into being. We are ushered into his presence immediately. And then what happens is the God of the universe bends his ear to us. He comes near to us. And he says, my dear child, what do you need? This is the picture of a heavenly throne room, of walking in to talk to the God of the universe as he's bending down to hear his child. And here's the blessing, is that God hears us. He leans in to listen But there's a problem. What's the problem? According to this passage, the problem is, is not with God, but the problem is with us. We are weak. We are weak and we don't have knowledge. Like, we don't have the strength, nor do we have the understanding when we come to God and ask him for things. Because we come to him and we we pray and we have no idea because God is unfolding this beautiful plan of redemption and we have no idea how our pain is fitting into that. And so we come into it sometimes and we don't even know how to pray. Have you ever gotten to the situation and you're like, you have some, a a good friend or you yourself just find out that you have cancer. Right, then you're like, okay, I, I, I know we need to pray. What do I pray for? Do I pray that God heals me? Do I pray that God gives me the strength to make it through? Do I pray? How how am I supposed to pray? God's will just be done? How do I pray? You ever felt that way? Get confused about it? Well, this passage gives us the beautiful plan of all of that. For though I don't know how to pray, God gives us the Holy Spirit. Because he says this, The Holy steps in 
The Holy Spirit steps in and he helps us in our weakness. He helps us in our lack of knowledge. The Spirit actually helps us groan deeply. The Spirit that moves us to the place of seeing the pains of life, being able to express it with deep groanings. And then what the Spirit does, he moves us to do that. And then the Spirit helps intercede on our behalf before the Father. The Spirit is the one communicating to the Father, saying, this is what your child needs. This is what your child needs. This is what your child needs. So even if we pray for the Lord's will to be done, even if we pray that God heals us, even if we pray for God to take care of us, even if we pray selfish prayers, guess what's happening? The Spirit is stepping in and is interceding on our behalf before the Father. Because it is the spirit that searches our heart and knows our mind. So the spirit knows what we feel and the spirit knows what we need. Right? It's kind of like, like, like this. I, I know sometimes we ask for wrong things and I think I've shared this before. Right? A good father is not going to answer the prayer of his child if a child comes to him and asks for a poisonous snake. Where the child comes to the father and says, hey, dad, I, I really, really want this poisonous snake. And the dad's like, no. No, you can't. That poisonous snake is going to kill you. Like, I'm not going to give you. I would not be a good father if I give you a bad gift. But in, in that essence, what's happening is there's a desire there. Right? Maybe what's in the heart of that child is that child wants to grow in, in caring for things and taking on more responsibility. So maybe what the child is really asking for is something to care for. And so the father then gives the child a fish. Right? That's not a poisonous fish, but a good goldfish. Right? And so in, in essence, what's happening is the spirit inside of us is communicating to God what we really, really need. Because that's why we can come to this place where we understand, like what 1 John uh, 5, 14, and 11 says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So what is that saying? The, the, the scripture promises us when we pray in the will of the Holy Spirit or in the will of God, God answer, hears our prayers and answers them. But sometimes you and I don't pray according to God's will. Right? Sometimes when we have a, 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 a parent or a loved one that's dying, we pray, God, heal them, God, heal them, God, heal them. And sometimes God heals them by taking them home. That's good. But it's not the good that we want. So when we hurt, we pray. The Spirit takes our pain and our heart and communicates to God what we need. So if you get cancer, pray for healing. Pray for God's will. Pray for whatever, but just pray. Like this, That's the thing, just pray. You don't have to worry if you're praying with eloquent words. You don't have to worry about the length of your prayer. You just gotta call out to God and say, God, help me. Have you ever been around a baby that's learning how to talk? Like they're like, right? And you're like, oh, this baby's murmuring. I have no, what's going on, right? 
That baby obviously is communicating something that I have no idea. But then have you been around your children that are learning to talk? And they say, blah, 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 blah. and you're like, oh, yeah, here it is, here it is. He was wanting, the baby was wanting the whoopee or something like that, right? When you're around and you know your child, and they're, though their feeble murmurings may be nonsense to other people, when you know your kid, you understand what they need, right? A parent understands when their child cries, right? If, if, it's, if it's a cry because they're wet or need to be changed, they understand if it's a cry because they're hungry, it's a cry, it's a cry if they're tired, or a, the cry of them being hurt. Like a parent understands and is able to differentiate what their child needs. In much the same way, God is even greater than that. Is that he, the Spirit helps God understand what we need. So the encouragement here is even on your worst days, pray. And even on your worst days of praying, continue to pray. Even if you sit down and you're like, God, I need to come to you, and you begin to pray, and your mind goes 8,000 different directions. And you're like, you're praying about this, and the next thing you're praying about this, and the next thing you're praying about this. Pray anyway. Right? Pray anyway. Don't allow that to be a distraction or a deterrent to your prayer, because God and the Spirit inside of you is chasing all of those rabbits. And he's communicating all of your needs to your heavenly father. So pray, ask, seek the Lord. The second gift that God has given us is the second way that God is working on our behalf while we wait for him to take us home is we have the promise that he's working in our lives. Look at me in verse 28. He says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The truth here is that our circumstances are synergized for our good. You know, this one verse has been one place in the word of God that many have felt the spirit of God ministering to them directly as they walk through the deepest moments of suffering and pain. I remember the night after coming home from the hospital after my mom passed away. I was 16 years old at the time. Full of questions, full of pain, full of loss, full of brokenness. And I went to my bed and I sat down on my bed, eyes full of tears. I opened up my Bible and I came directly to Romans 8, 28. I've never in my life felt more ministered to by God. It was almost though in that moment, he, he surrounded me with his arms. I didn't, I didn't see it, but I, I felt it on my spirit as though he wrapped his arms around me. And he said, my dear son, I feel your pain. I know your brokenness. I know all the questions that you have in your heart right now. But I'm working all of this for your good. I'm working all of this for your good. Trust me. And it was almost in that moment that I felt a sense of resolve. I felt a sense of peace. And though I didn't understand, it was still painful. 
The pain didn't go away from that moment. But I know in my heart that God promises that though bad things happen in our lives in a profound way, he is working all things out for our good. So in the midst of our pain and suffering, not only do we have the gift of prayer, we have the promise that God is at work. And I want us to see who is he at work for? Who, he's not, not at work bringing all things to good for everybody. We, we see two descriptors in here. It's for those who are loved, those who love God, and those who are called according to his purpose. Now, what I, what, I, what I want us to see is those are like two sides to the same coin, right? Those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. So those who have affection towards God because of who he is and what he's done and those that God has called out. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. But God's not working for the good of all people, of all things, of all time. God is working all things to bring about the greatest end, which is his greatest glory. So God's using the wicked to bring about his glory, but he's not working for the good of the wicked. He's using the wicked to bring about good for those who are called according to his purpose and those that love God. So in your life, realize and understand that if you are in Christ, if you've placed faith in Jesus Christ, you can know that God is working in all things. Now, I love this about the English language. Sometimes the English language completely encapsulates what the Greek translation, the original language of this is. This word all things here, you know what it means? All. It literally means everything under the sun. In all things, God is working towards your good or for good. All things. So the traffic light that turns red and makes you late because you're unprepared and too busy at home to get ready and all this, that red light is there because of God's purpose. When you go home and a pipe bursts in your house, it's for God's purpose. Right? God's working all those, somehow, somehow he's working all of these things to, for good. The problem for us is though we want to, got, Paul wants to encourage us with this, so many times we want to define what good is. But that's not up for us to decide. We don't get to decide how the pain that we walk through, how God is bringing about the good. We don't get to define that, but we get to see and understand that what God determines and means as good comes about. On this side of heaven, we don't always get to see all that God is doing to bring good. I mean, can you just imagine, you know, with the 75 or 80 people that are here in the, the worship center today, you, you realize, like, each one of us, God's plan in our lives is being unfolded. And if you think about all of the work that God is working in your life and in my life and in your neighbor's life and that person behind you's life and all of that, if you could somehow see like the, the systematicness of what God is doing, we will be overwhelmed by that. But we know this to be true, that though we may not see it, we know that God is at work for good. 
it is truly good and truly hard to know all that God is doing. Sometimes, though, after we go through a season of life, we can look back and we can see how that bad thing in our life, God used it to bring about good. But sometimes it's that time where you have to walk through the pain. I know for myself, I, don't see, I can't see clearly all, but there are several things that I know sure came about good in my life because of my mom's passing. I know one thing. Because of my mom's passing, I grew closer to God and I was strengthened in my faith. See, prior to that, my, my mom was the one that I, I would always go to for my Bible answers. Whenever I had a question about what I read in the text, I'd always go to my mom and I'd say, Mom, help, help, me, help me understand this. This is too deep for me. Whenever I needed a prayer, I would go to my mom. Whenever I had a problem, I would go to my mom. And she always had this great wisdom. Well, guess what? God allowed my mom to be taken home for her good. Right? But then by her being removed from my life, now I had an opportunity to press in deeper with God. And guess what? He showed up. He showed up. And he ministered to me over and over and over And I became stronger in my faith, trusting him more and more and more. One other good thing that came out of my mom's passing is I was able to go to college. And you're like, how does that all work out? It's it's an extremely long story. But because my mom's passing, it put me into a, a different category of a type of student. I was able to get not only scholarships, but I was able to get some some funding. And because of that that goodness in my life, I was able to meet my wife, Sarah. And because of that, I was able to meet my, my wife. I was able to have four beautiful daughters. So every day I look at my kids. That's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God because of something bad happening in the past. Another goodness that came out of all of this was that with my mom's passing, God was gracious to provide me with another mother. Not a a blood mother or anything like that, but she was a woman that was really, really, really great friends with my mom. And in the gap, she stepped in. And she helped me. She helped me get to college. She helped me through those strange years. And she was another year that uh, I I could bend. She was another one that prayed for me. She was another one that I know prayed for me. That's the goodness of God. So when we go through difficult times, let's trust in God's goodness. He is working all things out. So not only do we have the gift of prayer and the the promises that God is at work, lastly, we have the assurance that God will help us finish the race. Look with me in verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. The benefit that we have, the third truth of this passage, is that our future is secured for glory. The promises that we see in verses 29 through 30 have been known throughout uh, from theologians and pastors and Bible teachers as the golden chain of salvation. 
What we see here is this declaration of this blessing of for those that are called according to his purpose. We have to understand that who are they and what are they blessed with? How can we know that God is working all things out to our end? Because God has given us the assurance of this salvation. He shows us in these few verses all of his work on our behalf to bring about us to glory. I want us to see as we break this down, we can see that in each statement, each five of the verbs that God is at work doing, that they are interconnected and interlinked together in this beautiful chain that cannot be broken. For we see that we begin, for those whom he foreknew, one chain is connected to the fact that he also predestined them. And those whom he predestined is now linked to those whom he called. And those whom he called is linked to those that he he has also justified. And those whom he has justified, he has also glorified. We see as we look at verses 29, or 29 and 30, that God is at work. These things go to carry out God's plan, and he does it fully, and he does it carefully, and he completes it exactly. Our salvation begins in God, is carried out by God, and it is completed by God. That is the point of this passage. This passage is here to show us all the amazing work that God is doing on our behalf. So let's break it down for a moment and let's see all that God has done. Well, it begins in eternity past. Your salvation and your glorification began in eternity past where it says that we were foreknown, or those whom he foreknew, or another way of saying it, those whom he has chosen. Those you were known to be a child of God. And this was not based, his knowledge or his choosing of you was not based on your choosing, but it was based solely on his good pleasure. From eternity past, God saw forward, saw you, knew you, loved you, and chose you. We can look back and say, well, how how can that be? Well, some will say we can look back and see Abraham. Why did God choose Abraham, right, to be the father of many nations? Was, Was it based on the fact that God knew that Abraham would obey? Absolutely not. It couldn't be based on that because then his choosing would be based on something that Abraham had done or would do. No, God chose Abraham based solely on the fact that it was his good pleasure that he chose Abraham. We say, well, what about Israel? Well, you know God didn't choose Israel because Israel as the nation to be his, his people because of their obedience. Every single step of the way, Israel continued to be disobedient and turned to other gods and to turn to other ways. And so God chose Israel not based on their obedience, but based on his love for them that was known before the foundations of the earth. So you were chosen. God chose you before the foundations of the earth. But secondly, not only did he choose you, you were also predestined. Predestined to what? This is, this is key for us to understand this. You were predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. 
So he, he chooses you, and then he sets you on this path to become more like Jesus. Less and less like your old self and more and more like him. He sets us on this process of sanctification. And he says those that are predestined to be like Jesus are also called. Well, what is this calling? What, what does this, this mean? This word calling here is very similar to the term that's used at the, at, in creation. When, when in creation, when God is speaking things into existence, he is calling things to exist from that which did not exist. And so in much the same way, this calling, those that are called, God is speaking out into your life and he's speaking life into you, speaking you out of death, out of your, your sin and out of that into life from spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. So this call that God places in our life is responded to on our behalf by our faith. So the point is that anyone who believes in Jesus as the only Savior, as the only one who lived a sinless life and died sacrificially in your place, if you believe that, then you've been called by God. And if you've been called by God, then you are justified. That means that you're not found guilty for anything that you've done, everything that you're doing, or anything that you will do. It's all been justified. So you can stand before the judgment seat of God and he says, it's all, it's all justified. Like, you're good, you're clean. You did the crime, but the punishment for your crime was already paid in Jesus. So not only have you been justified, we have the promise that those who have justified will be glorified. If you are in Christ, then you have the promise that you will make it to the end. You will be with God. We have the promise that we will see that future glory that is awaiting and that we will be able to spend all eternity in that future glory. This gives us security and peace today. So my question to you is, first of all, do you know Jesus? Are you in Christ? Have you come to the place in your life where you've considered Christ and with your life and everything you are, you've gone all in. And you said, you said in your own heart, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I know that you've stepped in my place. I thank you for forgiving me. Now I trust in faith to make you and allow you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. If you've done that and you've meant it inside of who you are, then you are a child of God. If you haven't done that yet, then that's still the decision that you need to make. Either Jesus is your Savior and Lord, or he's not. Maybe you're here today, and you needed to be reminded from this passage that we are called and we are blessed with the opportunity to pray big prayers. Right? Pray big prayers. Maybe, maybe you felt inadequate in your ability to pray or maybe you know, you, you've kind of grown up and you're a new believer and you're like, I hear all these other people pray and it's so eloquent and all that. It doesn't matter because we have the promise of even when we utter nonsense, God hears it because the Spirit is interceding on our behalf. So pray big prayers. And specifically, if you're praying about one specific thing, this is the beauty of our prayers and how the Spirit works in all of this. When you begin praying for something, over the course of time, 
your prayers actually become the words of the Spirit. Because God is communicating, the Spirit's communicating to God and he's searching your heart, searching your truth. And so eventually what happens, you may begin by praying selfish prayers, but if you continue to pray over the course of time, God changes your prayers. And then he changes you. So pray big prayers. If you're walking through a season of suffering, may you be encouraged by the truth today to trust that God is working your pain for good. Maybe you need to be reminded today that you're holding on to some definition of what is good. And God is not giving you that definition of good. And maybe that's caused a little bit of resentment in your heart. Maybe it's caused a little bit of frustration between you and the Lord. Maybe you just need to re-relinquish your definition of good and just say, God, this doesn't feel good, but I know that you're good. Help me to trust in you. Or maybe today you've lived the Christian life for a long time and you're tired. Maybe you're weary. Maybe you're struggling with sin. Maybe you're just in a place of of wondering if God still loves you and if God still cares. Well, the truth of the passage today is I want you to find peace in knowing that God is still working and God's gonna get you through to the end. He's gonna get you through. It may be be like limping back or maybe crawling across the line, but he's gonna get you through. He's gonna get you through. Nothing in this world will overcome you that will not destroy you. God will get you through to the end. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your words today. We thank you for the truths of your words today. Father, thank you so much for giving us insight into all your workings on our behalf. Father, I pray If there is someone here that doesn't know you, that, Father, today they would rest in your promises and they would give their lives over to you. But, Father, I also pray today for my brothers and sisters, my fellow strugglers, those that are walking through a season of deep pain. Father, I pray today that you would come close to them and you would lift their head. Let them be reminded that you are working all things for good. And Father, I pray that even today we would be reminded of the wonderful blessing and the wonderful gift of prayer. May we be people that pray, increase our prayers, increase the amount of time that we communicate to you, communicate our needs, communicate our joys, communicate our sorrows. And Father, help us to take joy in the fact that you're gonna get us through that we will not be defeated, we will not be destroyed, but that we will be glorified in the end and we will be at peace with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. 
head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.